Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Tom Milam, welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm great. Good to be here, Michael. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. So, Tom, real quick, just a little bit of context about the podcast and what we're trying to accomplish here. You know, this was really inspired by the fact that that we have a healthcare system that doesn't work for a lot of us. It's been broken for a while. And so what we really are trying to accomplish here is to educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. And so our primary interest is helping employers, CFOs, HR directors, and benefit managers uh, who are, are really looking for better results. Make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Thank you. All right, great. To get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you and your company so our listeners have some context about who they're listening to. Then we're going to jump into the interview. True Life Care was founded in 2012 by Tom Milam to help employees or their family members living with diabetes to stay healthier and live the life they want and deserve with their loved ones. With the TLC program and support, employees are saving money, improving their health, and lowering costs to their health plan by thousands of dollars per person per year. Tom brings over 25 years of experience starting, growing, and operating national companies with a deep customer-centric approach. As a former chief operating officer for a national diabetes supply, education, and support company, Milam created programs that served hundreds of thousands of members nationwide with diabetes. His experience includes assembling and working with an advisory board of physicians, leaders in endocrinology, nephrology, ophthalmology, and internal medicine to guide his programs with evidence-based principles. Tom's background also includes a federal appointment providing advisory services to Medicare. All right. Great bio, Tom. Well, thank you again for having me. Let's uh, look forward to the discussion. All right. Let's get started with just a little bit of, I guess, additional background other than the, the bio there about yourself. Who is Tom Milam and, and how did you get into the healthcare industry? Good question, Michael. And, uh, you know, who I am today is someone who uh, truly cares about people with diabetes and their life with diabetes. But how I got here, happenstance, uh, you know, unrelated things happening. My background, early background was in the world of finance, accounting. I was the CFO of a private company here in the, in the Nashville, Tennessee area, been an operating officer and wound up in business turnaround advisory, helping people restructure their companies. And in 2000, a dear, dear friend, and I, I could say dear, dear, dear friend, uh, older than me, like a much older big brother, um, his kidneys failed. And I didn't know why at the time. And uh, he had a pretty difficult life after that. And in 2003, uh, while he was on dialysis, he had a big coronary and passed away. And it was at his memorial service that uh, I'm talking to his physician and mm-hmm. you know, I learned about diabetes. Diabetes wasn't in my family. And at that time, diabetes connected with me because I was about six months into uh, an, uh, an assignment with a group of people who had invested money in a company that was distributing diabetes supplies and medications. And that was the beginning of the interest. What is this diabetes? What happens? And uh, as I continued to work with them on a contract basis, they asked me to stay around uh, to help them build that company. That was part of the, uh, my history that you read about earlier, several years there. And uh, 
fast forward, you know, the, the part of the marketing mantra of that company was that uh, the company is here to help you in your life with diabetes, not just to give you supplies and medications, but to help educate you. So uh, I learned a lot and I also saw behind the curtain of how money was moving and changing hands and what it was costing. And uh, that led what happened in 2012, the putting together the solution uh, and the program of True Life Care. I want to start with talking about diabetes, but before we, we, we go there, you know, part of this podcast is discussing you know, what we, we think is wrong with healthcare today. And so in your own words, you know, what's, what are your thoughts on that? What, what do you think is wrong with healthcare today, Tom? You know, uh, Michael, I think I'll approach it from a micro and a macro perspective, you know, and, and a micro basis, uh, there's some very right things about healthcare. There's some wonderful uh, solutions, uh, you know, that great minds and experience and trial and error have, have led, led the world of healthcare to. There's, there's some great services delivered uh, that are very effective. But in the macro sense, with what's, what's broken is the, uh, the total cost uh, paradigm and, and what is driving that as well, which has really changed in the last uh, 20 to 30 years uh, in America, but it's also changing across the world. And I'm uh, there, I'm, I'm coming down to chronic diseases, mm-hmm. M- many and the majority of which are related to or caused by or associated with uh, a life with diabetes. And uh, that's uh, one of the big things I think that's broken about our system is that it's just, it's episodic. It waits for an episode and then we throw tons of resources at it. And s- some of those episodes should be avoided and can be avoided. So, in another word, it's reactionary. Exactly. Let's start this discussion with a, a focus on, on diabetes. Diabetes is not a foreign word or concept to most of us. And I think if you ask most people, you know, they, they recognize it as a disease that, that some people suffer from or, or maybe people in their family um, have to deal with. But I would guess that most people really don't understand the cause and the impact it has on those that live with diabetes. So, so can you start with just defining for our listeners what diabetes is, type one and type two, and then paint a picture for us with some examples of, of what life is like for those that live with diabetes? Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll try to briefly do that, Michael, as a, as a lay person, but as someone, you know, these last uh, almost 15 years now, you know, living with it, learning about it, uh, working with people, living with it, uh, you know, gives me uh, certainly some perspective. So uh, type 1 diabetes, the original uh, diabetes, if you will, is, is type 2 that's just exploded. But so we're going to go back to type 1. And, so, and both, uh, you know, the marker is that there's there are high, sometimes very, very high levels of glucose or sugar uh, in the blood, which makes your blood toxic, uh, inflames all the blood vessels, and then winds up causing organ damage and all that. So with type 1, some people think it's linked to a virus. There's also a, a genetic uh, trigger in there somewhere as well. Used to be called juvenile diabetes, although older people uh, like Jay Cutler, uh, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, you know, yep. diagnosed in his 20s, for instance, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The pancreas is what makes the hormone insulin. Insulin allows your body to process and, and get the glucose out of your blood. So your 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 pancreas gets a virus and basically the those cells die that produce the insulin and you have no insulin. So the glucose just builds and builds and builds and builds. You are just unquenchably thirsty. 
uh, and you're urinating all the time. And it's just uh, and until you get to the point where you're, there's so much glucose in your body that uh, you're, you're going to experience a coma and organ failure, and you're going to die unless you get insulin. Uh, so a life with type 1 diabetes, you, you basically are having to micromanage every minute of your day. You're having to finger stick uh, uh, probably eight times, maybe 10 or 12 times a day. Now there are these things called continuous glucose monitoring mm-hmm. for type 1s. So they're constantly having to adjust and tweak uh, insulin into their body. Uh, and if you do that very, very well, you have to be very disciplined. Um, you can have a long and fruitful and complete life, just like Mary Tyler Moore, mm-hmm. who, who just passed away in the last weeks. Uh, she was a lifelong, she lived with uh, type 1 diabetes uh, all of her life and uh, got, got to be um, a, a grandmother and everything that she, she might have wanted uh, in life. Uh, in, in contrast, type 2 diabetes uh, comes on uh, develops with time. Uh, there's no known direct cause. Again, there is a genetic tendency. There's a trigger in there. If certain things happen, such as obesity, that is a known risk factor. Sure. It's, it's important to note that about 75% of people who become obese do not get diabetes, uh, but they will probably develop other health problems. But uh, for whatever reason, their body doesn't develop the diabetes, but mm-hmm. 25 or 30% certainly do. And um, so most of them, about you know, 85 or 90% are you know, very heavy, very, you know, a good bit overweight, uh, but not everyone. Asian Americans, for instance, uh, can be very slim and develop type 2 diabetes. And so therefore, it has a lot to do with diet and the types of foods uh, that one consumes. So type 2 diabetes... Um, is it's a silent menace, you know. It's the submarine that's under there. You don't feel it, you know. We talk about a, I talk about a fever. If you, if your body's not right in terms of body temperature, you feel it. You know, yep. too low, below grade, above grade. I mean, you feel it. Uh, and we all know if you get up to 105 or six degrees, you have the risk of organ failure and all that. You know, that that will take your life as well. Uh, diabetes similarly, but the numbers are much more spread out. You know. Uh, those of us who don't have diabetes, our sugar count is under 80, let's say. But, mm-hmm. but a type 2 type two diabetes, the diagnosis is above 126 on a fasting basis. So, But it can go to 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. Obviously, the higher it goes, uh, the more toxic that person's blood is becoming and the more damage that occurs. But frequently, they don't feel it until uh, some organs or nerves, you know, or some of the uh, – you know, the blood vessels are damaged to a point uh, where you feel it. And that is frequently irreversible harm. So the earlier a person with type 2 diabetes knows that they have it and that they learn what actions to take or not take, mod, you know, moderate, you know, their glucose levels, their sugar levels, keep it in the lower end of the, of the high spectrum, uh, the better long-term outcome they will have personally to get to know uh, their kids, their grandkids, uh, to, uh, to have a better family life, to have a better work life uh, without these expensive bad health events going into the ER and hospital. Seeing that it's sort of a silent, uh, as you said, menace, uh, it's just another good reason why we should all be getting annual checkups every year. 
Good point. I agree. Thanks for that description. So it's, it sounds like, you know, for those that are, are living with diabetes, you know, it can obviously be uh, challenging because of the, the monitoring aspect of, of their glucose levels. We, we certainly know that those with chronic disease and illness spend more on healthcare than, than relatively healthy people. And I actually have a stat from the Healthcare Cost Institute from 2014, so two, over two years ago, that says uh, it's, it's about four times roughly about $16,000 per year per person uh, with diabetes uh, compared to uh, approximately 4,000 per year for, for those with, without diabetes. And that's, that's medical and RX spend. So why, why is the healthcare spend so much higher for a person with, with diabetes? Is it the prescription drugs that they take to manage their blood glucose levels or what else drives it? Well, that, that certainly starts it, Michael, the uh, prescription drugs. A person with diabetes, uh, if they do not control their sugar, blood sugar on their own, you know, their physician is following those evidence-based guidelines and is pulling tools out of the toolbox to lower that person's glucose levels, to lower what's called their A1C level, which is another measure of glucose. You know, a non-diabetic is under five and uh, with people with diabetes, or uh, the physician's trying to keep it at seven or under, but frequently it's up at eight, nine, and ten. So they're pulling out these these new uh, and very expensive pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're the baseline therapy for a person with diabetes is a drug called a drug called metformin, which is very inexpensive. Uh, literally uh, ten cents to seventy five or eighty cents a, a pill. But once you get to where that's not helping, uh, then we're going to these, these newer drugs, the Genuvias and the Janumets and the Invokanas and the Invokamets and these things that you may see advertised on television, and they're $400 a month. And then wow. ultimately, you get to insulin, which can be five, $600 a month to as much as $1,500 a month, depending on how much insulin you're having to take. So we look at the population that does not have diabetes uh, the ninety percent or so in round numbers, their average pharmacy spend is uh, probably five to seven hundred dollars in, in most plans that that I've seen. But the ten percent or so with diabetes, their average spend is anywhere from three thousand five hundred to four thousand five hundred dollars a year. So that is certainly a, a factor, three to four thousand yeah, dollars right there. Yeah. That's only three quarters of the $16,000 number that you threw out there. So then we have the other $12,000. Certainly, they see their physician more regularly. They have more tests in the physician's office. So they'll spend uh, $1,000 to $2,000 interacting with their physician in a year. The rest becomes what, what I refer to as those adverse health events. Uh, going to the ER, something isn't right. So I, it's and it's not planned. I mean, suddenly it's like, wow, I can't take this anymore. I go to the ER or my doctor, my physician sends me to the ER when I call in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I hit the ER, if I am a person with diabetes, one out of every three of those ER visits results in an admit to that hospital. You compare that to the 90% when something is not right, they go to the ER only one out of 11, 9%. Uh, is an admit to the hospital. It's, it's the diabetes co- and the complications that, that result that is causing that admission. So of the $16,000, uh, certainly around eight or nine, probably $9,000 are those, you know, outpatient uh, ER visit and being admitted to the hospital. That's what's really driving the cost. Not everyone every year, 
but a high percentage every year. And next year, it's a different group of people. So it's, it seems to me that the hospitalization, the, the ER visits, you know, that's happening when those glucose levels, you know, really get out of control. And so to me, that sounds like, you know, those types of, you know, claims are theoretically avoidable. Because if somebody's you know able to monitor and manage their glucose levels appropriately, then then they'd be able to avoid those those trips to the hospital. That's correct, Michael. And what we call what I call self care or learning how to manage their own diabetes, they will also lower their burden and the health plan's burden of these expensive newer drugs. You know, the the, the drugs work sort of like aspirin or Tylenol or Advil, in terms of you know we know that those will bring a fever down, you know, but it, they don't treat the underlying cause of the fever. And then these new drugs, you know, as a lay person, I look at it and say, you know, okay, they're, they're bringing your average blood sugar down 20 or 30 points, but they're not doing anything for what's causing it to go up in the first place. So right. there's still, there's still that under that turmoil is still occurring in your body. For those people that are living with diabetes and, you know, really trying to make an effort you know, at, at monitoring uh, their glucose levels and being compliant with, uh, you know, their, their physician's recommendations. I would imagine that, that there's a significant out-of-pocket expense to do so. Can you give us some examples of, of what a diabetic patient is spending as far as, you know, out-of-pocket expense? Yes, I can, Michael. But it can vary based on plan design, uh, but in, in, in round numbers, a uh, uh, person with diabetes in an employer health plan has a $1,000 or more per year out-of-pocket spend. You know, five, six, seven hundred dollars in pharmacy compared to a couple hundred or less, 150 for the average person who does not have diabetes. And plus, um, um, because of these uh, unplanned events, these health events, uh, they have a much higher medical out-of-pocket as well. So it's sure. about five, about five times typically greater. Okay, and and are they what what are they spending as far as because obviously they they're spending money on uh, equipment um, to monitor their their blood glucose levels. So what are they spending on that? Uh, in, in terms of the pharmacy. So um, well, in in terms of test strips and lancets that they use to to monitor their their, their glucose level. Right. Well, that's, that's a good thing. You know, um, if you have a fever, the only way you know what the fever is is by you know having that little uh, thermometer in your mouth for a few seconds. You know, with today's technology, so to uh, to know what's going on, the only way that you can know what your glucose is is to take that blood sample, which requires a, a little finger stick on the side of the finger. Usually, we see pictures where it's on the very this blood is on the very tip of the finger, which is where all your nerves end. So that's not the right place to go. It's on the side of the finger. It's the same blood. Yep. yep. And, and, you, and you get that quick reading. It's a, it's a three to five second test. And of course, you got to go to the trouble of making that little stick and uh, getting that tiny drop of blood, usually just like half of a microliter. And, uh, and that, those test strips are one-time use. They have human enzymes on them, um, you know, to go through their, uh, process of, uh, of giving the feedback into the electronic little electronic uh, meter device uh, to tell you where your blood sugar is, and um, you know, in the, so that's the only way that you can know what it is. But sure. it is it is inconvenient, uh, and it is costly. It's uh, typically a, a brand 
uh, copay. And so depending on plan design, it could be, you know, $35 in a month or, you know, $70 for a 90 day supply. Well, it's, so it's two or $300 a year. And just, just to do that test. And the average person with diabetes takes about seven maintenance medications, uh, some of which will be generic like that metformin. Sure. Uh, but, uh, and some, and usually the uh, blood pressure medications are, are uh, generic, uh, which is good. The statins are mostly generic. And you notice I say uh, uh, the uh, blood pressure or the hypertensive medications because 90% of the people with diabetes are hypertensive and 70% have heart disease. And so they're, they're taking those, but then also then they've got the other anti-diabetic specific medications uh, and, you know, at $400 a month and all that, that all adds up. So, you know, when you start looking at the average person having, uh, you know, do I, do I, I've got so much money after paying my rent, I'm, 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 I'm going to take that insulin. I got to have that insulin. I'm going to take this statin. I, I got to do that. But, you know, I don't have the $70 for these uh, testing supplies. And, and we see a, a good number of them just avoiding that because they don't see it as medication but then they wind up with no information that can help them in making better decisions as well. So, so would you say it's a true statement um, that, you know, the out-of-pocket expense for, you know, some of the recommended treatment and monitoring uh, tools, you know, can, can be a barrier to, to being compliant. Uh, it, it absolutely can be. And, uh, people may be aware there, there was a big study and I, it was a RAND study, I believe. And it was a huge employer population. And uh, I remember the outcome essentially was that, you know, by taking away the copay requirement on these maintenance medications, we'll get better outcomes. And, and they documented some better outcomes. Uh, I can tell you for one, in one, uh, one large state employer, uh, looked at that study and said, well, we're going to take all our copays down to zero for these maintenance medications, certain ones. And I remember the uh, benefits director expressing frustration because the state saw no change in their utilization of emergency room and hospital. That's what mm-hmm. we're looking for. So uh, just just saying, well, I'll remove it alone. Yes, it is a barrier, but there's also uh, an education barrier, an understanding of, well, What's the worthiness? Well, you know, what's the personal worth to me of even doing this? How will it help me you know, in, in learning that, oh, well, this really does make a difference when I know my sugar levels are and I make more informed decisions because now I am informed. Does that make sense? It, it does. And that's actually, that's a wonderful example. So from that case study, what they realized was, is that just eliminating the cost share of the, of the co-pays for the maintenance meds didn't have an impact on the the ER hospitalization admissions. Right. Okay. So, so clearly something's missing, right? As far as uh, an educational component or an incentive component that would help somebody, I guess, you know, avoid those, um, those, uh, those visits. Right. Correct. Well, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. I want to go back to uh, something that, uh, that we worked on together a couple months ago. I sent you a, a sample uh, data set of, uh, of prescription drug claims from a client of ours. And, and in your analysis, you identified 339 members with diabetes and indicated that only 37% of them were actually buying test strips. So what are the implications of those stats? What are the conclusions that you would draw from that? 
We've analyzed a, a number of employer plans, and that is on the lower end of the range. It's not the lowest we've seen, but anything below 50 to 60% tells me that that population is poorly engaged with their daily self-care, self-management practices. That uh, and, and engaged means they, they, they don't understand, they don't know about it, they haven't had the support, wh- whatever. But if you, I'll go back again to what I said previously, if you don't know what your glucose is and the only way to know is to test, then you're just walking along and just wait, you're just waiting for something to, you're waiting for the wake up call. So, so in other words, you've got about 63% of that diabetic population that is is potentially a, a ticking time bomb. Correct. Okay. So I, I think, I think that is actually a good spot to kind of transition into talking a little bit more about your company, True Life Care, what the product is, what the service is, and, and what you're attempting to solve. And if you want, I mean, let's just use that sample population, right? I mean, it was, it was a population where 339 members with diabetes, only 37% of them were actually buying their test strips. So in that specific example, you know, what does True Life Care come in and, and do to help with that situation? Great. So, uh, you know, as a, as a former CFO, I started with the numbers. We've already reviewed the numbers. And, and so we know that the utilization uh, in the population with diabetes, ER and hospital is extraordinarily high. It's, it's four to five times greater than the, than the 90% without diabetes. And um, why is that occurring? It's, it's occurring because people are, are not engaged with their, their self-care. The doctors will tell you that. I, and I've talked about this with my own um, primary care physician. He's, he expresses frustration. I tell these people with diabetes what to do, and they come back a few months later, and they haven't done any of it. You know, what am I going to do? That uh, goes Now, this goes back to what you said, what's broken or wrong with our healthcare system. Sure. Again, again the reactive, I mean, the doctors are trained to, to diagnose, you know, and, and treat and move on, you know, move on to the next one. And only a you know, only a percentage of their patients even have diabetes. It's not like they specialize in it. It's it's quite the challenge. So, and uh, and multiple studies had documented uh, this as well. So, it, it, I go back to the Asheville project, which was a uh, a pharmacy in, engagement uh, program in Asheville, North Carolina. Of, uh, it's now twenty years uh, since they did this program, and uh, and what we do really incorporates uh, on a scalable level. Uh, the principles that they had. Well, give these people an incentive, a reason, these people with diabetes, let's give them an incentive to uh, have conversations. In this case, they were going to have conversations with pharmacists on a regular basis. The pharmacists were paid an extra amount and they were given training uh, for how to interact with these people with diabetes. So it wasn't mail order. It was going in, you go to the pharmacist, they were going basically once a month uh, and the pharmacist was, you know, interviewing them and sending them, you know, getting, you know, basically helping them to get intervention, get back to their primary care physician sooner mm-hmm. uh, if, if something was changing or if they weren't being compliant. They knew that because they were paid to monitor their compliance with, um, not, with behavior, not just with medications and the like. So that's what I tried to say. Well, why, why can't we do this, you know, commercially, scalably uh, to help employers because, uh, employers are bearing the brunt of this, and the 90% without diabetes are bearing the brunt of it. They are having to help subsidize uh, 
that four times greater cost. That's right. So it seemed behind the curtain. So what I, I saw is that the need for diabetes test supplies was paramount. You, you need to know your blood sugar. So why can't we pull that out and, and provide that direct as part of our program? And there is no copay, which we go back. That's a reason to have that conversation uh, initially. That, oh, I can save this money. I no longer have that cost barrier tell me more because there are more benefits to our program the conversation that uh, we that uh, to learn about our program and the other benefits that are provided happens with a registered nurse which is an important part of what we do as well because of the fact that people do respect them and will listen to them but our nurses are each trained and certified as a evidence-based health coach by the national society of health coaches uh, of america and so they learn the skills of motivational interviewing. And, our, and, and their purpose is to be there uh, as a personal partner for that individual with diabetes to get their supplies that are needed for their testing to them, to not do anything clinical, but to learn what they are hearing from their primary care provider or their clinic or whatever, and whether or not they are activated with that or are learning about that, and to provide evidence-based uh, support menus, recipes, uh, you know, meal planning, uh, education tips and two aids about specific issues people with diabetes have or will have uh, in both printed and, and video format and the like. So we're, we're looking for ways to get this person engaged and to keep them engaged with that nurse coach uh, with whom they develop a relationship, which is a key. It's a one-to-one -one relationship in our program. So if Tom and Michael are getting to know one another, Tom and Michael are still working together two and three and four years from now. As long as I'm still with that employer, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're still engaged with me. And we do it on a regular and ongoing basis. The only way you can avoid your copay is uh, by working with your coach. And there's a, re uh, a re requirement in our program that we'll, we'll have a conversation at least once every month. Now, we can talk more frequently as you choose, but we're going to have a conversation and it's going to be a meaningful conversation and a personal conversation, individualized at least once every month, or you, you, you lose access to those supplies. And what comes with our program in addition to those testing supplies uh, is a blood pressure cuff, another way to activate you. Uh, with your numbers, because again, 90% are hypertensive, and that blood pressure cuff just comes with the service. You use our service, you're going to be getting one. So we, we provide that. There's no cost to the employer or the employee. Mm -hmm. uh, and one other example about personalization of the program and engagement, always looking for ways to get a person more engaged. Uh, our devices also transmit their readings to a secure health cloud account. So the individual can uh, no longer have to keep a logbook. Uh, they can also have graphic representations of their readings to share with their doctor uh, or with their nurse coach, et cetera. Uh, some people like that technology. Some people want to do it the old fashioned way. Whatever is right for you personally to get you engaged and to keep you engaged. It's a voluntary program. The incentive for the diabetic patient uh, employee to participate, you know, is is really the removal, the the cost for the testing supplies. That's correct. Understanding the program and how it works, uh, you know, it's it's an engagement program with with a nurse practitioner, health coach. What's the benefit for an employer here? I mean, what what type of results would they expect to see by implementing a program like this? 
Great question. Thank you for letting me talk about that just for a moment. And um, uh, first thing, right off the bat, is to recognize this is something you're doing for your people, uh, not doing it to the people. Uh, and it's something that they are going to appreciate uh, and like and enjoy. So the feedback will be positive, uh, which is uh, very important uh, to uh, human resources professionals that's a, who have a challenging job uh, and to benefits directors, uh, et cetera. Uh, so over time, what we see is as these people become engaged, let's say four to six months, they, you know, it takes time to develop the relationship, but it starts to you know, take hold and, and, and the roots start to spread out as the months go by. What we have experienced uh, with em employer groups is that the very high utilization in emergency room visits, uh, which by the way, a thousand people with diabetes have 440 ER visits a year. A thousand people who do not have diabetes, 200 ER visits in a year. That's the U.S. average under age 65. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you, you, bingo, you know, that 440 and when one out of three of those is a, is an admit, that's nearly 150 hospital admissions, you know, out of a, in a, in a thousand people. That's the extraordinary number that start, can start coming down. Uh, experience in the groups that we work with a decline in that rate of, of ER utilization mm -hmm. uh, in the latter half of the first year going into the second year, you know, as these people start getting it start behaving better uh, and seeing positive results. Weight loss is, very, is the most frequent thing that is evidenced uh, in the population. Uh, and, and as they start getting those positive results, they stay engaged. So then we see the utilization drop. In year two, we see a, a significant decline in hospital utilization coming from fewer those fewer ER visits coupled with, and this was fascinating to me, uh, when people with diabetes go in the hospital, they're typically in a day to two days longer because of the glucose. So what we started seeing is that, oh, these people go to the hospital, uh, but gosh, uh, now they're in an even shorter amount of time. They, they've cut their hospital time in the hospital by half. So it, it was a it was a double double payoff there. Sure. Uh, so we, we actually, in, in, the, in the participating population, uh, we had an extraordinary, we've had extraordinary, it's like a 90% decline in hospital days in years two and three. Uh, that has, uh, and I'm an old CFO, so I want to go say, you know, are we moving the needle? Because, you know, the needle is still the entire group. And we haven't talked about engagement levels yet, but uh, not as voluntary as you said, pointed out. Uh, we do get a high engagement level. It was, it's, a, it's been enough to bring down hospitalizations by a third in the, overall in the second year and by more than 50% in the third year. We're blessed, in the, and it's, it's these people with diabetes who are doing it. Once they get the help that they want and they start using it to self-manage, uh, they do better. And, and Michael, the, the financial impact of that is, uh, you know, uh, for every... A uh, hundred people that you have with uh, in a plan with diabetes, uh, those savings in year two and year three are like $125,000 for every hundred people. Year three is like $175,000, uh, and that's where we expect it to stay. So it's saving, you know, $1,500 uh, or, or more per person with diabetes. So there's a financial benefit to the employer, but there's also a... Um 
I would, I would say maybe a soft dollar benefit in the fact that, that they're, they're providing additional resources to employees that, uh, that perhaps they, they weren't getting before. Correct. Great. Um, so w- what's the process for, because the, obviously the, pro- the, the program is voluntary. So how do you identify diabetics within an employer population and, and how do you go about communicating with this population to let them know that the program exists and it's available for them? Thank you. Happy to discuss that also. The uh, identification, Michael, is, is, is straightforward. Uh, and and we're tra- we, try- we work to be transparent in everything we do. So uh, just sign the appropriate business associate agreements, uh, receive uh, pharmacy claims data, uh, and an eligibility file if we're going forward, but we'll do a risk-free, you know, no cost, no obligation analysis just so a group knows, well, how many people do I have? Is it, is it a big deal to me or not? You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, happy to do that. So um, getting started, uh, once you take a look at it, uh, we, we know who has diabetes because there, there are specific drugs like the metformin. I mean, the, on, the only utilization for that drug is for diabetes or they're requiring the testing supply. So we know from the, the claims and matching that with the eligibility file who has uh, diabetes. We have templates uh, for employers to announce uh, the, the new free benefit that they're proud to offer for their uh, employees or, or covered dependents living with diabetes. Uh, they know, and we know how expensive and difficult it can be, uh, especially to do alone. So we've got true life care. Uh, once that once the company is made aware of it uh, through those announcements, uh, we write be, uh, privately. We have the contact information from the eligibility file to the um, you know 200 or whatever it is with diabetes. Uh, we write them with it'll say XYZ Company Health Plan information on the outer envelope, and inside is a letter from True Life Care. It doesn't. It, and uh, just talking about this new program that you've seen announced, and if you're a person living with diabetes, we don't just point them in, you know, put our finger on their nose and say you have diabetes, you should sign up. Right. Uh, we're describing uh, the, the benefits and the monetary savings, and uh, wouldn't you like to know more? Uh, no obligation. Call in and uh, have a conversation with a nurse and, and see what you think. Uh, we follow that up with a phone call. Uh, it's not a sales call, but just to enter the nurse to introduce uh, herself or himself and just describe the benefits of the program. Would you like to try it out? Uh, we usually get like 50, 50 activation between those two efforts. And there's a second, there's a second round, a letter and another phone call that happens about a month later. And, and through that initial outreach, we'll usually get about, uh, anywhere from 30 to 35% of the diabetes population activated into the program and then as they as you know people in the company i don't know they start hearing about it and uh, a couple of times during the year we'll go through with another round of outreach uh going back telling the people we'll share with them here are some success stories i mean they can be from other companies but just you know letting them know here's some positive success stories continuing to reach out our normal uh activation or, or engagement rate after a year is right at 40 percent of the diabetes okay. population. So 40% after year one. Right. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's, st- let's take a step back here and, and talk about that number for a second. I guess I would categorize you, your company as a care, care management company. So a, a company whose purpose is to lower healthcare costs by managing those with chronic disease and illness, right? 
care management companies and, and disease management, you know, programs with insured carriers and TPAs. I mean, they've been around for a long time, for as long as I've been working in this industry. And, and quite frankly, the, the results are poor. I mean, they're voluntary programs as well. The engagement rates of eligible members, and by engagement, I mean ongoing contact, right, with the nurse or health coach, the engagement rates of those programs are typically below 5%. So, I mean, if you're getting 40% engagement after year one, that's eight times the traditional engagement rates that that most care management companies are getting. So how are, how are you getting those participation rates? Well, first of all, Michael, because we, we take a different approach to who we're working to engage with. And it's, it starts with, uh, you know, the business proposition. I, I know we'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, you know, true life care is only paid for people who do engage in and participate in our program. Uh, so I, th- I think that uh, comes back to the attitude we have and, and how we present ourselves to people, if you will. But it, it's, it starts even before that. We talked about how do we identify these people to reach out to. And the, tr- the legacy program's approach was let us go in and uh, find these worst of the worst, the ones who have the complications who were in the hospital last year. And uh, we're just going to reach out to them, and they'll collect a, a PEPM maybe across the company, sure. Uh, and 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 then just say we're going to go after these few, and um, you know, from a old CFO layman's perspective, you know, they're going after the people who they've already had their event. <laughs> they're probably not. They're probably not going to have one this next year. Ninety percent of them don't. You know, there'll be a few repeaters. Yes. And so they're, they're just looking, you know, putting a spotlight. Well, gosh, these were the problems. Let's go after them. Uh, when you have diabetes, uh, it's, it's an identified, you know, high-risk pool. It's almost like you had five plants. And you look at your average accident rate. And then when you look at the details, well, heck, all the accidents are coming out of one plant. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, you know, that's where you need to pay the attention. And, um, and diabetes is progressive. It's also incurable. And uh, but you can manage it just like Mary Tyler Moore did, uh, and avoid most most of the majority of the problems. And uh, that's what we want to help people to do. So we're doing something for them. We're not trying to tell them what to do, like their doctor is. You know, Michael, I want you to lose weight and get more exercise. Well, that's, we, we've got to get, we've got to find a baby step place to start, and and get a success, and then build on that. So we, we've got something we can offer them, which is uh, they, they don't have any copay, but we, we've got more. We've got the blood pressure cuff. We've got all these free materials. We don't just put them in a box. It's a conversation that uh, your nurse coach and you are having. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I ought, to, I ought to learn how to count carbohydrates, you know. So let's go down that road. We've got a lot of materials that support on that. We'll feed them to you regularly and periodically. It's, it's your personal journey. That's where we want to connect. Uh, so it's it's a it's a combination of all that, but I think it's that personalization, individualization, and we're going after 100% of the group, you know, not the 10 or 15% who had a problem last year. That's right. It's funny. I, I just uh, we uh, with another client of mine, you know, we had a conversation with their third-party administrator, who was was talking to us about a a diabetes prevention program, um, and we asked them, well, what are you doing for the current people with diabetes? And they really didn't have an answer. <laughs> <You know? All> right. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to identify the people who, you know, don't have it yet, but 
you know, it's, it's, it seemed to me a little backwards, um, you know, seeing as, you know, that, that cohort of the population is probably going to be driving costs. Right. And, you know, if you um, have an effective program to help these people with diabetes, that, that can pay for, uh, you know, helping these people with prediabetes to avoid it. As I listen to you describe the program, what is, you know, um, I, I think there's a number of things that are unique, but certainly the incentive structure is, is uh, you know, I'm sure helps drive that participation. Um, if you if you already have an employer who um, is in their benefit design, is providing the test strips and the landsets for free, what other methods might you use to drive member engagement? Well, we have, uh, we have offers that include um, a, a, a no-obligation free trial uh, that we encourage people where we go out and, and write the people and let them know about the program. And, you know, again, you, you highlight the, the blood pressure cuff, the meal planning sure. guides, the recipes, the cookbooks, the education aids and all that, access to, et cetera. But so, you know, come, come in and try it for 90 days. Um, you know, no obligation to stay, but if you like it and you want to keep getting this information and this support, answers to your questions and the like, uh, you can stay in, but regardless of whether you stay in or not, uh, we'll give you a free gift card. So we we do use that. Uh, I might recommend that the uh, you know that group consider you know taking away that zero copay at the pharmacy and uh, and putting in some copay. You know, just could be an extra incentive then on top of that. But um, those are examples of what we might do. One of the things we haven't talked about is cost. So. With traditional care management companies, you alluded to it earlier, it generally is a per employee per month fee that gets either bundled into uh, the TPA's overall rate or it's an add-on uh, or a buy-up. So how are you guys compensated for the service? Yeah, you know, that's something I'm very proud of. And I've mentioned more than once a uh, former CFO that that background and having seen behind the curtain, I was looking for a, a solution when you talked right at the outset, $16,000 a year is the total being spent in employer health plans between the plan pay and the member copay, a uh, member out of pocket a year for a person with diabetes. That's, that's more than enough. And uh, these, these diagnostic tools for testing blood glucose uh, are expensive through the legacy, you know, pharmaceutical and PBM controlled distribution system when people go to the pharmacy. Uh, these are FDA-approved devices. Uh, they're super high-quality, reliable, and uh, we can pull that out. And what I realize is that uh, with the average frequency of testing, which for a population of 100 people or 1,000 people with diabetes will be you know, a little less than two times a day on average. And, and, these, and these, those, those test strips cost like a, a dollar and um, 20 cents each. Uh, through the, through the PBMs right now. And uh, we can actually lower the cost on that a little bit. Uh, and it's enough to pay for everything that True Life Care does uh, for the employer, for their employee or cover dependent living with diabetes. So they get their test supplies, they can get the blood pressure cuff, they get the relationship with uh, a certified and trained evidence-based health coach, you know, personal relationship, individualize all the support materials uh, that that person has access to and can and will be provided during their months and years of working uh, with their health coach. Just the provision of those regular test supplies is effectively enough to uh, cover the cost of our program. 
depending on the copay structure, the employer may be paying a, a very modest amount, mm-hmm. uh, it, but it's either completely cost neutral or minimal, minimal cost for an employer to install our program. So therefore, there's no risk. And the savings, which we will work with the uh, benefits consultant and the uh, to request from the carrier ER visits and hospital days, we want to document and track what is going on in the diabetes population so that employer sees the trend and what happens and what the results are over time. The normal distribution channel for uh, the testing supplies is going to be through the, you know, the current PBM. And so the way it works is you guys become the, the distribution channel for the testing supplies. And because you can offer it at a lower cost, you're able to, to build in your, your, uh, your subscription fee into, into that, uh, the cost of the test strips. Did I get that right? That's right. Our, our subscription fee, our, our personal services, all the services are covered through that cost you know, an employer has to do some due diligence to help you guys do an analysis. But um, it seems to me it's it's frictionless because it's not like they have to add an additional cost to their benefit program to roll this out. Correct. That's such a correct statement. You know, there are other care management companies out there. You know, my, my question really is, do you have any that you feel are, are competitors in the marketplace or, or do you think what you guys are doing is... Uh, is relatively unique compared to other care management companies out there? Well, I, I do think it's relatively, relatively unique. To my knowledge, we're the, the only ones who have valid outcomes. You know, from a financial perspective, that means there's, there's net returns and improvement in the population, not just the ones you uh, engage and work with, the 40% in our case, or it's, it's as high as 50% in some clients. But, you know, when you look at bring in the 50% not participating, you know, you still have a positive result. We do. But there, there certainly is a focus, a greater focus uh, on diabetes because it just keeps getting worse and worse. And so there are other companies, uh, other efforts. There are, there are digital efforts, you know, people coming out with apps, you know, help people be more engaged uh, in their life with diabetes. Um, or uh, some people, uh, there are a couple of groups that have a, a cell phone-like uh, they're, they're kind of large, but uh, when you take a test, it's immediately transmitted up to the cloud. Uh, they're trying to encourage people to test more frequently. There's one I know that has uh, outreach, but it's more that reactive outreach. Uh, they're using sure. these. It's, again, it's reactive. We're trying, you know, to my knowledge, there's no one else on the, on the non-reactive. In other words, let's, let's, let's try to get, help this person um, get to where there is nothing to react to. <laughs> um, so the, the lifestyle. Uh, Alir, which is a company, did have a group at one time, which they sold to United Health, and I don't know if it still exists, but they, they were taking the personal approach where the, the coach they would put with the person was going to be a one-to-one relationship. Uh, the plan design did include a zero copay on the test supplies, still had to get them to the pharmacy. So, you know, that program was an added cost of around $600 per person per year. And with the supplies still, you know, being purchased through the, uh, through the PBM. The, yeah, the PBM arrangement. So those are the ones I'm aware of. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's an app for just about everything. There days. is. But, um, but I'll tell you, you know, an app doesn't talk to you. An app doesn't give you encouragement. You know, an, an app can't really engage with you in the same way that a person can. So it, it seems to me there's, there's still value today being able to talk to people. 
people still do business with people. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, I go back to, uh, it's, it's that personal relationship. A conversation uh, in true life care ends talking about the next scheduled conversation. Well, Michael, uh, you know, it's um, Tuesday about this time. So, what, four weeks from now is the whatever date, uh, about the same time. Is that still good for you? You know, let's book it. Let's plan on it. And uh, you're going to get a text or an email a couple of days in advance of that. You know, hey, Michael, look forward to talking Tuesday mm-hmm. type thing. So it's uh, it goes back. We're, we're, it's people talking to people. Who would you say this is a good fit for? Um, and, and are there any employers out there where, where it's just it's not a good fit for? I start with uh, it's, it's a good fit for anyone who um, philosophy of I uh, want to do good things for my employees. I've, I've got to focus. I've got a culture of wellness. You know, I don't I don't just have a wellness program. I've, I've got to focus on that. I'm really trying to to help this population and, and, and have a good company and, and build it and grow it. Uh, everybody has diabetes uh, in their population. Uh, and and the disproportionate, you know, healthcare utilization is occurring in those diabetes populations. Um, now, uh, the facts, the fact of the matter is, is that if it's a, a company that tends to be younger, uh, uh, highly educated, white collarish, that sort of thing, uh, your incidence of diabetes might just be five percent. Uh, so those people are spending probably 15, 16% of the health plan dollars, but that's different than the population that may be more hourly. A lot of people north of 35 and 40 years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it might be, let's say 11 or 12% of that population. And, and, and that 11 or 12% is spending 30 or 35% of all the health plan dollars uh, when you look at it. So, you know, priority level can, can adjust, you know, if you're, if you're the CFO and looking at it, well, it's, you know, it's a, that, that 30, 35%, I mean, that's a raging fire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the, the beauty is, is that something can be done to help these people help themselves. That's going to help the company. That's going to help their fellow employees. So it's, a, it's, it's for the self-funded employer because they are the at-risk payer. Uh, it's certainly, we do not work with any fully insured clients, although if there was a big group that uh, had exposure, if they're going to be rated, we could do it, but it would be an extra cost to them. But for the self-funded, it's literally a, a cost redirection that, that covers uh, the entire program. Uh, we like to have around 50 or so people with diabetes, so there's at least a measurable number to engage with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a two, 250 employee group, or it might take a 500 employee group, just depending on the demographics. Sure. So, so you guys launched in 2012. How many employers had implemented the TLC service uh, since then? Well, good question. We started with two early adopters, and that's really been the, the foundation of our case study and the, the results that we can share. And it took two years to get those, uh, those, those results, as you heard talked about earlier. First year, you start seeing the, some drops in ER visits, not really cost, but it's that second year and third year and beyond you know, measurable, meaningful, meaningful, and sustainable uh, drops in cost. Uh, so we picked up another, I can't remember, three or four, and then another five or six. We're, we're working with like a dozen employers right now and several more in the queue that we're bringing on this year. Any obstacles that you've encountered, you know, once you've presented, you know, this, uh, the product, the service, the potential savings, any obstacles you've encountered to an employer saying yes to implementing your service? 
Sure, good question. I mean, thoughtful, thoughtful people. What do we, what do we look at? I, you know, I, I think an early one is, and uh, an understandable one is, uh, you know, in human in the re- human resources arena, uh, the benefits directors. Oh, another program uh, I've got to administer. Uh, so what I can share, and we have references for this. Uh, I love the quote, uh, the benefits director of, of our biggest early adopter said, when I asked, could she please uh, look up some information for us? I'm sorry to be in any trouble. She wrote back, said, you're never in any trouble. I never have any complaints about your program. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. So, but, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a valid concern and something to think about, you know, that, that we've had, well, Taxability, you know, if, if I don't have these, um, if I waive these co-pays, is there, is there a taxability event? And the answer is no, but there's no be a question about that. Uh, and we, we did spend time and money working through with a couple of our early clients who had uh, uh, high deductible or consumer-directed health plans, you know, first covered dollar questions and all that. Uh, these devices, these, these uh, glucose measurement devices are not medication they're not care uh, that's the essential thing that takes them out of the arena of having to uh, have be any uh, be concerned about um, uh, having that first covered dollar issue so that mm-hmm. it's qualified for those type of plans as well i think those have been the, uh, the essential questions that we've had if there was one question that i i should have asked you but i didn't what would it be you know i was thinking about that we I did. I did bring it up. Uh, though I was just thinking, you know, just we're here to uh, to be an an an, an add on, a, a plug and play, a positive, productive tool. There's there's no silver bullet in diabetes. The Northeast Business Group on Health did a great white paper in 2015 on diabetes and the need for transformation, basically saying what you said earlier, Michael. And but uh, that was one of the big takeaways for me is that you know there is no silver bullet, but uh, the more uh, ways that employers can provide to their uh, employees with diabetes to be engaged, to get engaged with their life with diabetes, the better chance they have uh, for success. And, and True Life Care is proud to be a productive tool to do just that. Awesome. And, and I think if I can just add one comment, I think, you know, my opinion is that employers can't afford to wait. You know, we just, we we can't afford to wait for the healthcare system to, to change. Um, and, you know, for employers that, that want to make a difference that want better results, it's really on them to, to work with their broker and, and seek out, you know, companies like yourself, like your own company that, um, that can simply provide better results than, than the status quo operators that we have out there today. Well, uh, you're right. And, and, you know, Transformation change comes from the private sector. You, know, you can't wait. Uh, you know, healthcare is so highly, highly regulated, and, and, uh, and it's a behemoth, and the dollars are so great. Uh, there's such resistance to change, and um, you know we're 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 disruptive in a in a positive way, disruptive financially, and uh, disruptive in altering the course of people's lives, and uh, and what happens in, in a positive way. I like that. Positive disruption, Tom. That's great. So how can people interested in your product and service get in touch with you? Great. Well, uh, thank you. There's certainly a phone number, 615-369-0707, but easy to remember. Shoot us an email. Tell me more at truelifecare.com. Tell me more at truelifecare.com. 
Beautiful, beautiful. And obviously, any of our clients that are listening, uh, uh, you can get in contact with one of your your service team members or myself, and, and we can make an introduction and do some due diligence on uh, TLC. All right, Tom. Well, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you for just taking time out of your, your busy schedules to join us. I think this has been a great interview and, and discussion, and uh, I appreciate all the time on the front end, you know, talking about you know, diabetes and, and uh, just the details of, of how it, it really affects people's lives. So thanks for joining us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Michael. You bet. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of, of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to the podcast and share with any of your friends and colleagues who you think would find value in the information we talk about here on the podcast. And with that, we will sign off uh, wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And if you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to True Life Care's website and contact information. Questions and comments about the podcast, please send us feedback at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast.